0: sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. One of the most basic and fundamental ideas, uh, for lack of a better word, when it comes to Christianity, frankly, when it comes to religion in general, is God. What is God? Who is God? It's one of the basic fundamental ideas of our faith, and yet... I and many others today would contend that it is also one of the most misunderstood ideas when it comes at least to Christianity. What do I mean by that? What I mean is most of us actually don't have as clear of a conception of who and what God is as we actually think. So, what is God in actuality? That's what we're going to be talking about today on Ignition. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So, if you've got questions about today's episode or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way to do so is by email, and the address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. I'm joined once again, two Two weeks in a row, row. by my one-time regular guest (laughs) co-host, Renee Kranz, hey Renee.
1: Hello. Renee,
0: we talked to Joe, well it was true, you you took, as you described it, a bit of a hiatus, hiatus, Um, but you were back last week.
1: We were on a break.
0: A little break, (laughs) we took a break, but now we're back. The, well. the band's back together again, <laughs> ready With to no go. No good songs. You uh, uh, you were you were uh, unusually quiet last week, so you just attributed that. Well, you to were
1: just really doing on a roll. You were. On, I, yeah. I was on a roll. I'll try not to be as quiet, but I just I hate to interrupt you oh, when you're on a roll. Since when? <laughs> okay, that might be true. I mean, why are you
0: so different in ignition than way you are the rest what? of the time? working oh you
1: you wish i was less different i probably <laughs> <laughs> or yeah uh, i wish i was actually more different
0: more like ignition in real life maybe uh
1: maybe yes maybe am that i nicer be, i don't
0: know uh well, I, I can like, be more no. i like the feisty crayons yeah, come on uh, yeah. um so you didn't know what we we're going to talking about today no what'd you think about my opener
1: i'm intrigued so Because now I'm wondering if what I think God is is wrong.
0: (laughs) Heretic. Get the pitchforks. Um, I oftentimes, Ignition, I I don't know how many times I've wanted to use as the title, and sometimes I have, I've wanted to use as the title for an episode of Ignition, uh, one of the most well-known quotes from one of my favorite movies ever, The Princess Bride. Renee, have you seen The Princess Bride?
1: I have not, but you know you share that with Aaron Rodgers. How does that make you feel? You know, <laughs> it's
0: fine. I mean, as long as we're not sharing the psychedelics, I'm okay. Right, right, right. Uh, exactly. I'll share the the, no. the movie, uh, move, favorite movies.
1: You might have to be on Psych... <laughs> I can't even say the word. Psychedelics? <laughs> yes, to watch that movie. Uh, oh, no, you do not. You've never seen it? I've seen parts of it. I've never seen it from beginning to end.
0: So there's this there's this character in Nigo Montoya uh, and... Uh, his probably mo- like the line he says above all is, uh hello, my name is Neguntai. Can my father prepare to die? Um it's the line he's going to and then spoiler alert does say to the man who killed his father right. when he finally finds him. Uh but probably the second most quoted line, maybe it's even actually quoted more, even though he only says it once. You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means.
1: That is definitely more quoted. Right. yes. you've never
0: you've never seen the movie, but you know the line. I do. You mm-hmm. keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think Thank it you. means. Now, Casey, have you seen The Princess Bride?
1: What? It's not. Have you seen we any should bits stop or pieces?
0: This episode right now, <laughs> and go cut, cut. watch. No.
1: Okay. So, have you seen any bits or pieces of it, Casey? Uh, no. No. <sighs> no bits or pieces. Okay. Well.
0: How is the communications office supposed to relate with regular people
1: if you've never
0: seen the Princess Bride? (laughs) Anyway, this is a whole nother tangent we don't have time for (laughs) because I'm trying to talk about God and we're stuck on Princess Bride. Um, One character keeps using the word inconceivable. And at a certain point, an ego says to him, you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. (laughs) We use the word God all the time. Yes, we do. But it is my proposal that it does not mean exactly what we think it
1: means. Okay.
0: That the real God, if, if, when we come to understand the nature of the true God, when we, which we will ultimately, every one of us, Everyone, everybody listening or watching to this episode right now, you and I and Casey, one day will come um, to know—not completely, but we'll have like our uh, the, the veil will fall away, for, the scales will formalize, and we'll, we'll we'll quote unquote see God as He truly is, and we'll realize. Oh, oh, I was kind of wrong, <laughs> and not enough. So I want to be He's clear. Here. Say,
1: will, we be, will we be okay with that?
0: uh well it depends, it depends how depends on which wrong way you're we we're going <laughs> <laughs> but for, for, let's let's think of us as just we're, we're, as catholics christians in general people of biblical faith i think okay. like what we what we know of god from scripture uh we've got a pretty good idea of god but there's another le- level another layer or whatever there there's there's a yeah think of like um the, the off the coast of an ocean you've got the the what is it the 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 continental like it's it's shallow for a while and then it goes deep. What's that called? The shelf. The shelf. Thank you. Mm-hmm. The shelf, and then it goes like mm-hmm. miles right. deep. There's something similar that can happen during our earthly life through prayer and through our study of theology and what the church teaches. Um, that will where we're, we're going to start to descend. We you can start to descend, but for all of us at the end of our lives earthly lives and then at the end of time that's going to go even further when we see God as he actually is. So I want to be clear I'm not saying that again if if, if you if you're a church going person or if you've ever been a church going person you you probably have a decent rel- idea of God as he actually is but there the Bishop Barron talks about this a lot. And in fact, we're going to be, uh, hopefully, time permitting, mm-hmm. um, quoting from Bishop Barron a little bit. Bishop Robert Barron, who's now kind of next door to us yes. here, our diocesan neighbor in the Diocese of uh, Winona, Winona, Rochester, Rochester mm-hmm. uh, Bishop there now, uh priest originally from the dio- Archdiocese of Chicago. Uh, bishop Barron talks a lot about how you need to have an adult faith. And I, I've said this for a long time, too. Um, my my longtime role with the diocese, director of adult discipleship evangelization, the faith that I received when I was in first or second grade or 10th grade or 11th grade is not enough to serve the intellectual needs, frankly, of a 40-year-old. Right. What works for a 10-year-old doesn't work for a 50-year-old. Right. So we, we do use simple concepts when we're children because our minds are immature. Mm-hmm. But as we become adults... We need to put our big boy pants on and come to understand in a deeper way what our church teaches, generally speaking, but certainly when it comes to God.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people don't even really think about that. I agree. Yeah,
0: and I listen. You,
1: you just go along going to church every yep. Sunday, and
0: and also yeah. as somebody who has a doctorate in theology, there are ways where I mean, what we're going to talk about today, um, I, I I get to every couple of years with a particular group, I, I get to do uh, an in depth teaching on the well, <laughs> relatively speaking, an in depth teaching on who and what God is. Mm-hmm. Relatively, we're, we're talking about sixteen hours. Mm-hmm. But Renee, I'm telling you, we could spend a lifetime of study on the nature of God and it would, we'd start to descend into the depths (laughs) and it's just so literally awesome Mm -hmm. when you become aware of the nature of God. Okay. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So I want to begin by just looking briefly at Scripture. So um, Exodus chapter three, we read Second Book of the Bible, third chapter Exodus chapter three, we read about Moses and his co- an encounter with the burning bush. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't want to take time to read it, um, but but what's the what's the synopsis? What's the summary version of the story? Insofar as you recall it,
1: oh, well, uh, Moses sees a burning bush. He knows it's God somehow. God speaking to him. What's um, weird
0: about the bush? Do you remember?
1: It was not being consumed by the fire. Mm. So, uh, of course, that was a little freaky for Moses. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. That was when he asked Moses to go free his people. Is that right? Yeah. Yep.
0: So if you read all of chapter three. I trying to picture the movie in my head. The Ten Commandments, right? (laughs) Um, By the way, Charlton Heston was an awful pick to play Moses. Do you know Why?
1: He was probably an atheist or something. No, no. no. (laughs) He's a a
0: fervent believer. No, uh, Charlton Heston has an incredible voice. Right. Moses stuttered.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Moses had a speech impediment.
1: Well, he was an actor. He could have stuttered in the the movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But this is why. So who, who speaks on Moses' behalf before Pharaoh? All the time.
1: Oh, does Aaron? Yes. Oh. Yes, I didn't realize. I guess they do kind of show that in the the movie a couple times, even actually. Yeah.
0: So, how do you know he stuttered? Because it it says so in the Bible. (laughs) Wow. See, all
1: I get it is from from the (laughs) movies.
0: So, Moses, (laughs) not Charlton Heston, uh, just real briefly from chapter one, uh, chapter three, verse one. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, priest of the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning yet. It was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt. And then Moses, Moses, here I am. Uh, Don't come near, put off your shoes. It's holy ground. I am the God of your fathers. I've heard my people's cry and I I want to send you to them to set them free. Later on though, skipping ahead, verse 13, then Moses said to God, if you come to the sons of Israel, if I come to the sons of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? So, uh, all right, Lord, if you want me to do this, oh boy. Um, if you really want me to do this, when I go back and and I say, the God of our fathers has sent me to you and they ask, what is his name? What do I tell them? Do you remember, Renee? Do you yeah. remember God's answer?
1: Yeah. Uh, I am who am.
0: So, and God said to Moses, verse 14, I am who I am. Who I am. And he said, and that, that, that you're... It depends on the translation, it? Yeah. And he said, say this to the sons of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Okay. You're Moses. You're talking to a bush that's not burning. It's God.
1: <laughs> I'm already wondering about myself at this point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lord, what is your name? I am who I am. Let's take it out of the context of scripture and it's God. Mm-hmm. You meet somebody. Hey, I'm Kranz. What's your name? I am who I am. What's your
1: You're like? Why are you being resp- such a jerk right now? <laughs> why is that such a
0: jerky response? It's.
1: It sounds <clears throat> just like I don't need to tell you who I am.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, th- th- yes. 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 Any. Any. Or I should say, anything else.
1: No, I just take it as a, yeah, just a jerky.
0: It's evasive.
1: Oh, yes, it is evasive. It's like,
0: I'm not going to tell you. It, it feels that way, at least. Yeah. I am who I am. But what, okay, what? it what, what is, what is, what'd your mom call you? I am. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's an evasive response, uh, in part. So there's two. On purpose? There's two, there's two answers. Uh, so two understandings of. Of what's going on here in God revealing His name to mm-hmm. Moses, I'm starting with the I'm starting with the first one. <laughs> um, it's, it's an evasive, it's a mysterious response, because we, with our powerful and yet finite created intellects, cannot comprehend the length and the breadth and the depth of God. And for the Jewish, for the Semitic culture, for biblical culture and Semitic culture all around, it, think of Mediterranean culture, to say somebody's name entired, uh, entailed was was basically saying, oh, I know this person. Ah, uh, okay. To say, to, for me to be able to say, you are Renee Kranz, in, implies some degree of like really knowing who and what you are. Mm-hmm. And Moses did not know, in a, right. in a way, in a re, in a deep way, who and what God is. Mm-hmm. So, in, in Scripture, you know, um, when when we read things like "and Adam knew Eve," oh, right. What's that mean?
1: <clears throat> Usually, that he. <laughs> there, there,
0: there, there they was were th- husband th- and wife. There, there, there's there's intimacy
1: <laughs> there thank between. You. Like, how do I say the <laughs> this? There's
0: intimacy between the two they knew each other as yeah. husband and wife um yeah this, marital sexual love right. which is life-giving mm-hmm. um to know scripturally to be able to say somebody's name implies some degree of familiarity and even intimacy okay so if i know you enough to say your name so you didn't just like we just yeah uh, you know we we put print cards with our names on mm-hmm. them um but for Semitic cultures, at least ancient Semitic cultures, to know somebody's name implied some degree of familiarity and intimacy, as okay. I've said a few times. All right? So God, by, by giving what seems to be an evasive, mysterious answer, is just to be, you don't know me as much as you think you do. Okay. But, second, and, and, not, and, secondly, for God to say, in response to Moses' question, who are you for god to say I am is also literally the truth. Right. And this is where so you say I said you said right. What do you mean by that?
1: Because he is just being. He is existence. So he So you he are is. A,
0: you are a well-formed Catholic who can say that. Yeah. What does that mean?
1: I don't Yeah, see that's the thing. I can say it because I've heard it and I can regurgitate that. Do I really know what that means? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and if we stop, if, if we can find somebody who can start to unpack what that means. Mm-hmm.
1: Is the hair standing up on your
0: Goosebumps head? for me right now, just mm. thinking about what we're talking about. So, the way, so Bishop Barron, so I am who I am. God is as you said, mm-hmm. he's being, he's existence. God is, he is. Um, and the way that, so Thomas Aquinas has this phrase in Latin that Bishop Barron translates in English, the sheer act of to be itself. Mm-hmm. The sheer act, the pure, unadulterated, unmitigated, nothing else. The sheer act of to be itself. God is, isness. I'm a human being. I have the being Mm -hmm. of what it means to be. My being is human being. Mm -hmm. God's being is existence. It is pure being, unfiltered by anything. My being as finite is sort of filtered through human human nature. So it's limited. It's constrained Mm -hmm. in human being. God's being is unfiltered, unencumbered, unrestrained, The sheer act of to be itself. He is is isness. He's be ness. That's what he is. Okay. All right. Great. All right. I can say that. Then I know what God is. No, 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 no.
1: No, totally. So
0: Bishop Barron 2004 published a collection of essays. This is before he got big. Uh the collection of essays is Bridging the Great Divide. So this is this is like deeper theology than if you just watch one of his movie reviews on YouTube from not too much at, long after that. Like he's speaking at a certain level in mm-hmm. this book as a theologian. Okay. Okay. So um there's one one essay in particular. It's the seventh chapter in the book, Thomas Aquinas' Christological Reading of God and the Creature.
1: That's <sh-> Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I just want to read a little because.
1: Completely. If you didn't, if you weren't watching. Just completely over over
0: over I, the, the over the head just gesture, completely. right? But I just want to read a little bit from Bishop Barron because what Bishop Barron is—he's not doing anything new. He is just unpacking not just St. Thomas Aquinas, but what the general Christian tradition has always said about the divine nature, about what it means to say God is this your act to be to be itself. What does that actually mean? And Bishop starts by using a, a word. So this is his father Barron then, but he's Bishop now, so I'll call him Bishop. Um, a word that he often uses that I love. Uh, that I love uh to as when we talk about our faith. Um there's he has this line. Uh in one of his his particular works, um De Potencia Dei, Thomas gives his richest, St. Thomas Aquinas gives his richest and most compelling account of the strangeness of both God and creature as seen in the light of the incarnation. God is strange I was gonna say weird but I'm not describing his personality right, right. like to understand to actually to start to at a, at a human adult at an adult level to understand what God is God's strange and that, in fact so are we <laughs> yes um but God's even stranger like this is where they, we talked about like the mass familiarity breeds contempt we last week was this one part of a multi-part uh, crazy long series we're doing walking through the mass. Yeah, As I said in the open, the, the idea of God is like the most basic idea when it comes to Christianity. Mm-hmm. There's a God, we worship him, right? But what God is, is actually mind-blowingly weird. <laughs> like weird in the sense of abnormal, what we're not used to, Right. Um, different from what we normally understand. So this is this is Bishop Barron unpacking Saint Thomas Aquinas. So I'm unpacking Barron, who's unpacking Aquinas, who's summarizing the general Christian tradition. Okay. What emerges in the course of this discussion of Saint Thomas Aquinas in his work De Potentia De, what emerges in the course of this discussion is the surprising truth that God is in no sense either comparable to or contrastable from any of the things in the world. In the response, Aquinas offers, so right now, Renee, you should have stopped me and say, wait, what what did you just say? Sorry. You fairly, you fairly, to be fair, you didn't.
1: I'm just comfortably listening. I know
0: you are. <laughs> but this is where, this is where I know. I know. I'm I'm
1: well, in this, I write
0: okay. I write it deliberately that way, hoping you would not. Okay. And you didn't. So thank you for playing along.
1: <laughs> You're welcome.
0: <laughs> what emerges in the course of Thomas's discussion is the surprising truth that God is in no sense either comparable, comparable, he is not comparable to or contrastable from any of the things in the world. So what's the so right before this? Uh, uh, Baron is talking about how for so Ar- remember Aristotle is the one who came up with, in, my, in high school biology. We looked about learned about kingdom, phylum, oh, yeah. family, yeah. Da, 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 genera, species, mm-hmm. genus, species, mm-hmm. right? So Aristotle um, categorized as best as he could everything that lives, um, and he created that seven level right. thing right, Mm -hmm. that we learned in high school biology that clearly I can't remember hardly any of You're
1: Remembering more than I do. (laughs) So uh,
0: it's it's one of the marks of the Aristotelian science to categorize objects according to genus and species, naming things through comparison and contrast with others. So a dog is different than a cat because, well, you can compare Mm -hmm. and contrast. Mm -hmm. They're similar. They're both animals. They're both mammals. But they're different. They belong to different genus, genera, different genuses and species, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. What emerges in the course of Aquinas' discussion in the De Potencia Day is the surprising truth that God is in no sense either comparable to, comparable to, or contrastable from any of the things in the world. And right there, Rene, like this is one of the, I what Barron is saying, what, what Christian theologians have said forever is, you can't compare God to anything else in the world. Okay. Now, I'm, okay. Yeah, I can't do that because he's different. No, you can't do that either. Well, what do you mean? Be- so, compared to the similarities, right? You can't compare God to anything else in the world. God does not exist the same way that I exist, that you exist, that this coaster exists. His exists. Is differently than my be I be God bees. It's bad English to make the point. <laughs> I know I'm speaking to a journalist and an editor. I'm you gotta like, let it go.
1: Yeah.
0: I be god bees, but we don't be the same way. Right. We be differently. Oh, oh, okay. I'm with so he's really different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he's not the same. Correct. So he's really different. Nope. Can't do that. Well, he's different than, yeah, but you're contrasting God with what's in the world. And what St. Thomas shows us in in a really dense uh, work that we're not diving into, and I'm just giving you the slightly less dense, barren (laughs) version, unpacked, (laughs) you can't compare God or contrast God with anything in the world. Anything that you and I sense, we see, touch Hear, smell, or taste. I can't compare or contrast God with any of that. So let me go on. As the most intense reality, God must transcend the limitations of any division of being. So now he quotes St. Thomas. Thus it is also evident that God is not a species, nor an individual, nor is there any difference in him, nor can he be defined since every definition is in terms of genus and species. So I breezed over something here that Barron, when I read this, Barron made me stop and go back to. It is here that we see perhaps most clearly the dismantling of the theology of the supreme being that takes place throughout Thomas's writings. God... In fact, for Christian theology, God is not the supreme being because not God yeah. is not a being. being. He, is he is being. being. So <laughs> when Aqu- when Aquinas, Bishop Barron says, laconically tosses off, just offhandedly tosses off the observation that God is not an individual, which is what Thomas said. He said, God is not an individual. Okay, right there, Renee, like, We just plummet. We didn't realize it. We're in the submarine that just dropped five feet in two seconds into the bottom of the ocean. Mm -hmm. God's not an individual. Mm -hmm. What the heck does that mean? Right. Because everything we know is an, this is an individual book. This is an individual piece of paper. You're an individual human being. He's a different individual human being. This is an individual. God is not an individual. Yeah. God is not, God is, he's not the supreme being because he's not a being. He is pure, unadulterated being. Baron goes on. So when Thomas says, he announces the radicality of the Christian conception of the sacred, God is not a supreme reality in, above, or alongside of the world, as that reality, which simply is, God is prior to any of the splits that characterize less dramatic instances of being. Renee, uh, we, there's going to be a part two to this episode. Uh,
1: well, I think we there has to be. We
0: have to unpack. So this is mind-blowing. Folks, stay tuned for our next episode because we're going to go deep into what this means. Renee, stick around, okay? Okay. Folks, we're we'll at this episode. Watch for part two. But if you have questions about part one, ignition at SF Catholic. Catholic.org. And until next time, may God bless you.